Welcome to Creative Mind Living, a podcast for personal growth based on the works of Carl Jung, neuroscience, and Eastern philosophies. We are your hosts, Deborah Barrett Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind Coaching. All right, Rob, we are talking about fear to freedom today. And my favorite topic, because fear to me is saying, I am stepping out of my comfort zone. And those of you who are coaches or want to be coaches or want to uh, make a change in their life and live their purpose, you face fear, even if you just want to change your relationship patterns and want to fall in love. We have fear, uh, fear of first dates, fear of, <laughs> fear of second dates, fear of why they didn't call. Uh, so we have a lot of this happening uh, when we coach people and we are doing a whole series on emotions and this episode is focused on fear and it really is, I think, the root emotion for people mm. that dictates how much they get out of life. Yeah, certainly as entrepreneurs, uh, we're well acquainted with fear um, and Anybody that's doing anything worthwhile, I would say, knows their way around fear. Mm. Or they just have faced it. (laughs) They're familiar with it. It's a familiar friend. It's a universal, uh, you know, we feel it since the time we're little babies all Mm -hmm. the way to old age because we face the unknown. Now we have, um, there's three aspects to every emotion. There's a biological aspect. There's a psychosocial aspect. And then there is a spiritual aspect. So let's dig deep into the biological aspect. And there are things just being human beings that we are, it was like baked into our DNA of what we're afraid of. And you call that a genetic fear, a genetic fear. Right. There there are uh, genetic predispositions to fear certain things. For example, snakes and spiders, Mm -hmm. just to name a few. Or being high up, fear of heights. Yeah, uh, that, that's a little bit more iffy. Some people are not that afraid of, mm. of being up high. Uh, but it seems to be in the general population, most people n- have a natural fear uh, of snakes and spiders. Mm. Now, that makes sense in evolutionary terms because we evolved uh, in caves. Or uh, we spent a huge chunk of our evolutionary time living in caves. And, and out sure, in the wild. Yeah, and in those caves, I'm sure there were spiders and snakes mm. that if you got bit, uh, you would die. Mm. Therefore, it got built into the genes to stay away from those things. But the next level is the psychological, social psych level, where this is where fear gets a little more uh, complicated. Yeah, because we're... we're uh, we are hardwired to survive, but we're also hardwired to be social, mm. meaning we need that social aspect of, in, in our lives. And we know from our work as coaches that uh, anything that threatens a person's persona, uh, their sense of self that they create to interact in social situations is very fearful to them. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it actually kicks in that fear response in a very primal way. Because it's a social survival is physical survival when you were a caveman or when we lived in tribes. But now, 
I mean, I guess if you think about it, if we didn't have people around us and we were rejected from the human race, we would feel yeah. who is going to take care of us. So it, it is a, a, a kind of if you break it down, it's a real threat. But we all have someone that loves us that will take care of us. So I don't think it's a, as real as we as we think it's going. it is. Right. So if we think of a spectrum, so on the one hand, we're wired to survive above all. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, we want to be social and we want to fit in and mm-hmm. cooperate. So those are two contradictory kind of orders that mm-hmm. the, the, the mind is born with or the mind-body is born with, that on the one hand, look out for number one, which is you. On the other hand, be part of a group and fit in. Mm. Often those are contradictory uh, kind of uh, aims that we have. Mm-hmm. And so there's always a conflict between looking out for number one and being part of a group. Mm-hmm. Now, you can think of uh, people that are socially anxious, for example, mm-hmm. as kind of having too much of that look out for number one and therefore not being able to fit in mm-hmm. and socialize, right? They're too anxious. They're, they're too uh, fearful that they might be judged in the wrong way or rejected or something like that. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that genetically, can that be genetic and uh, for, through experience? Both. Okay. Yeah. So we sometimes, are, if our family had social anxiety... Genetically, we would have that predisposition. I know in my family, my father had panic attacks, and then there's a succession of different people in my family who have the that DNA. I don't have that. I don't. I have never had a the panic. anxious gene. The the anxious gene, but it's a it, in an extreme where it's like it, there's a big physio- physiological response where uh, nothing ever happened to them, no trauma happened to them, but there's a genetic mm-hmm. piece of that. Yeah, and and then well. What happens with parents is that we get a double whammy because we have their genes often, and then we observe how they react to life. Yes. And so we're learning also from them. Mm-hmm. We so know- if they were with the, afraid of crowds or they were very uh, non-social, there weren't a lot of people around, uh, or if they were very fearful of others, they could be careful, don't trust people, there could, they could instill that idea into you, planted that seed. Absolutely. Uh, let's say you're walking, uh, if you're three years old and you're walking with your mom and you get to a bridge and, and she reacts with anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. She clutches your hand tightly and you notice that she's tensing up mm-hmm. and she's fearful now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're directly experiencing that fear as a child because you're connected to them to your mother very, uh, very closely. Mm-hmm. And as children, we're very observant. We, are, we always look at the parent's face to see, you know, how is she reacting to this? Because situation. there are sense of, it's, is it safe or not? Right. And so if they're fearful, we get afraid. Yes. And we learn then that this is a fearful situation. I need to be aware. And it kicks in that adrenaline and that fly, fight or flight uh, response. Mm. Now, you know what's interesting is that as a coach or if you're a teacher, that if you have to hold, you're basically the parent for your clients in a way. So they're looking for you for a sense of security and guidance. So 
uh, what I learned early on is that you have to not ride the fear train with your clients. You can't, uh, every time they're afraid that you get afraid with them and feel anxious with them, that doesn't help them because then they're feeding off of your fear and they're, you're agreeing what they should be afraid. Um, an evolved coach, like we have in our coach training, we teach you how to really transition out of the ego's default responses. And you're actually becoming individuated away from those old responses. So then you can watch your client have a tough time, but not feel like you need to take the ride with them and hold the vision of a parent who says, there's nothing to fear. Everything's going to be fine. You know, I I got your back. That kind of um, a higher level of of mentorship that you should seek. And uh, I've seen a lot of um, people tell me that that uh, is, makes a difference with someone's success or not. If the coach or the mentor or even a teacher when you're taking classes or you have someone who is training you in something, if they don't believe in you, uh, it's really hard for you to excel. Yeah. Yeah, because coaching essentially is meant to help you overcome that fear of stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. In other words, the only way to grow is to try to do things that you're not sure you can do. Mm, if you yeah. were sure you could do them, you wouldn't need a coach and you wouldn't need any assistance. You would be able to do it. But because in personal growth, whether it be in business or in relationships or spiritual practices, we're, we're pushing ourselves. We're going into unknown territory mm. and the unknown represents all those fears Mm -hmm. for us humans it kicks in those those primal fears those genetic fears double whammy as well as yeah as well as the psychological personal fears if you're enjoying this conversation and do not want it to end it doesn't have to you can join us on our facebook fan page at creative mind method and continue the conversation Get tools, free visualizations, free downloads, and announcements of live events and new courses that we're hosting. So join us after the show at Creative Mind Method on Facebook. See you there. Now, you know, what's interesting is I see a lot of people, um, like I've been in the coaching industry for almost 15 years now, and uh, I watch people who try to do everything themselves and they don't hire coaches. And this is in all different industries, business coaches and health coaches and love coaches. And then the ones that actually really move forward have a coach because it is scary as heck to start your own business, to step out, to do something new, change careers. I mean, it is scary. And if you don't have that um, someone, that parent, that person you look to up to and say, is it okay for me to go here and can I go here? that energy is is really um, not there. And so you're second guessing yourself. And I see so many people delay their success because they don't have a coach. They think I'm going to do it myself. And what they're really doing is they're afraid of, of facing something. There's a fear that they're afraid of, whether it's putting themselves out there or um, working with clients and getting them a result. And so then they end up making it up that they can't afford a coach or they're too busy for coaching right now and time and money, the two excuses, when it's really underneath a fear. It's a fear of uh, there's something that they don't want to face. Now, when we talk about psychological uh, conditioning, we're really talking about what Jung called the shadow. And this persona, like you said, is speaking in public, uh, losing face, everyone needs to look good and 
uh, appear to everyone as um, they got it all together. And that fear of looking like a fool, the fear of um, failing, failing and what will people think. More people are afraid of what people think versus the actual failure itself. Right, because underneath of that fear of what people think are deeper primal fears. Mm. Remember that we evolved uh, in groups, and so being part of a group meant survival, and being ousted by the group or rejected by the group meant literal death. Mm. You would not be able to survive if you were left uh, to your own devices. That's why the emotion is so strong, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's like, why do I care so much that Mary didn't respond to my email or this client said no to me <laughs> or, or I got criticism on Facebook in front of everyone? Uh, why, why is that so like intense, that emotion, a fear? Yeah. And, um, and that actually shows up in a lot of times as anger or fighting back or we, we either fight, fight the fear, we run away from it, where we just, it, it debilitates us. Yeah, and it can be very debilitating. Again, because you're dealing with very primal emotions. They, you know, in, in psychology, they call them uh, irrational fears, which is a phobia, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it's only irrational if, you, if you're thinking there's got to be a reason why you're afraid of this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, public speaking. Why would somebody be so afraid of public speaking that that they would rather die, literally, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, they say the number one fear is public speaking. Mm-hmm. The second one is fear of death. So so literally, people would rather die than... Be in the casket than give the eulogy. I heard. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's because of that, because it's calling in those primal fears that are totally irrational. And we're not even conscious of it because here's the thing. I remember when I, when we first met, I had, my book was coming out and I was doing a lot of media to get, uh, actually it was before my book deal was signed. And, um, I did a, a you know, a, a, I was talking to my coach at the time, my business coach, and I, she wanted me to pitch the local TV about love and hypnosis. And, I said, well, Monday, Friday's not really a good day to send out this this press release. It's better to send it out on a Tuesday. That's what I learned in my whole dealing with, you know, my past PR stuff that I did. And she said, what are you really afraid of? And I said, "Uh I'm not afraid of anything. It's just, it's very practical. So the fear is disguised and it comes in this rationality and this uh, justification and you intellectualize it. And then she said, I want you to send that email out tonight before five o'clock. And with, wouldn't you know, within 24 hours, I got invited to three interviews Mm. for Valentine's day. And you came to one of them with me, but underneath it all was this, Oh my God, what if they say yes? And it it was, I was in my mind saying, well, I'm going to do it. So they will say yes, but I'm actually sabotaging it. And when I showed up for that first interview, I was scared as heck. I was I was shaking. I was having, you know, like not a panic attack, but I was pretty close. I was really stressed out. And I, I was like, why did I do this to myself? Why did I, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to be public? And all that stuff came up. But it, it's this idea that um, someone's going to look at you wrong or you're going to look like a fool. And, but after it was over, I had an incredible high. So, can you talk a little bit about what is that exhilaration that happens when you face a fear? Yeah. It, it, 
It has to do with the way we interpret the sensation in our body. Mm. So we know adrenaline, the release of adrenaline can be both uh, excitement or fear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's essentially depends on, it, it depends on how you interpret it. You can sense that adrenaline rush and say, I'm in danger here. Mm. Something, you know, I need to, to run like, like in you, and, <laughs> like you, you did it or, or you felt in front of that interviewer perhaps that you were in danger here of being exposed or, or kind of getting in over your head in mm. a sense. Yeah. But I didn't feel it at, when I started the interview, it was all leading up to it. It's that anticipation, that anticipation again. Yeah. Uh, or you can say, this is really exciting, <laughs> right? This is, uh, I'm excited. I feel this way because I'm doing something incredible. And that's actually exactly what I did. I said to myself, Debbie, because since I was little, I used to pretend in front of the mirror that I was on television. And I just connected with my little Debbie. And I said, Debbie, I'm going to get all emotional because it was so passionate. I was like, we're going to be on TV today. <laughs> like we've been dreaming of this day for 30 years. And uh, it was just really fun. And I kind of used my mind and my feelings and rode the feelings uh, into excitement. And that's what helped me not be so panicked. It was still scary. I mean, we're all going to be scared if we have an interview or a big speech. Uh, but they say if you're not scared, then it's going to be very flat. So you need that energy the exhilaration, that charge to really perform. That's a good point. It is uh, uh, they, what they call uh, uh, an inverted U, which mm. is more like an N, mm-hmm. uh, but it's an inverted U, meaning if you, if you don't have stress and anxiety about performance, mm-hmm. your performance is very low. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your ability to perform is low. But as it rises, your performance level goes up, mm. meaning you're able to perform a lot better with uh, as stress goes up, as that anticipation mm. uh, accumulates in your body. Because it, uh, physiologically, you're fighting the beast. You need that energy, the yeah. strength. So it really is like courage building inside of you. That's right. But then you reach a, a peak point where if you go beyond that, where the intensity and the, and the anticipation gets to be too much and mm-hmm. there's too much adrenaline, then your performance level starts to drop down. Because you start not yeah. being able to speak clearly. And yeah, you, you start to get too nervous, too excited, sweating. too anxious, <laughs> and you can't, you can't do it or you're too self-conscious. So... Uh, Before we go, let's do a quick exercise for them. What is some, if if they have a fear, what would you recommend a simple way to work with it? In a very simple way, in three seconds or less. (laughs) Right. Well, the first principle of working with a fear is not to push it away, Mm -hmm. which is what we normally try to do. Mm -hmm. The average person when they feel a sensation or an emotion that they don't like, like fear, they want to get rid of it. They mm. want to go back to status quo and feel relaxed and nice and mm. all that. But that's not very useful because what you're doing is you're pushing it back into the unconscious, mm-hmm. back into the shadow. So you want to be able to work with it. You want to see it as an opportunity. Mm. And also recognize that the reason you're feeling it is probably because you're doing something outside of your comfort zone, which is actually a positive thing. So 
you know, a lot of people confuse, maybe I'm on the wrong track. You have to say, I'm on the right track. I'm feeling fear. I must be doing something really great. And even just telling yourself a different story about the fear uh, can start to change your, your, like how you label it. Yeah. And obviously here we're talking about uh, kind of that, that middle area where you're not too anxious. You're not having a panic attack, obviously, because if you're if you're having a panic attack, it's kind of too late to be able to work with it. Mm-hmm. But if you if you know that okay, I tend to get anxious around this, or I tend to avoid the public speaking because mm-hmm. it's too anxiety provoking for me. Now you're going into it consciously. You're going to say, "I'm going to do it." And I know I'm going to get nervous, mm-hmm. but I'm going to know how to manage this. Yes. And the first principle is you don't try to push it away. Yeah. What you're doing is you're observing your mind and your body. In what we call metaconsciousness, where you're being the witness to it versus... So you, you can let it be there with you, but you don't have to engage with it or marinate in it or feed it. Because when you push it away, you're actually giving it energy. Right. What or you're ha- fearing the fear. Yes. What, what happens is that the fear comes from the unconscious, mm-hmm. meaning that the emotion that you registered as a child mm-hmm. from early experiences is now kicking in. Mm. And it creates a little story, perhaps, of, People are going to laugh at me, or I'm not going to be good at this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get fired, etc. So what you want to do is you want to observe those thoughts and the the feelings that come up with it, the emotion, the the fear. But you want to observe it from that higher vantage point with no judgment. Mm -hmm. In other words, we're not buying into its story, but we're not pushing it away either. So this is the difficult part because... We're used to either pushing it away or buying into it, you know, kind of believing that this story is real. And letting it stop us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, both stop us because mm-hmm. if we push it away, we say, you know, I got to get rid of this. And the, only, the usually the, the way to get rid of it is by not doing the, the action, right? Mm-hmm. By not speaking or not stepping into the, the higher, um, what is it, the... The uh, out of the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So here we're doing neither. We're not pushing it away, but we're not buying into it either. So the third option that we have, and this is the secret of how to work with fear. The third option that we have is that we observe it with no judgment, mm. non-attachment. This is re- real It's freedom. hard to do, but it, it, it does free you. Yes. Because it's really the only real freedom that we have. When we understand that we are not our thoughts and that we are not our emotions, then we start to free our mind. Because as long as we believe that those thoughts and those feelings, those, uh, that fear is real... Like, I am afraid or I am fearful. Then we're caught. Hmm. We're caught in that conditioning from the past, whether it be genetic or social, wherever it's coming from, it's got us. It's playing us, not the other way around. When we're able to have enough non-attachment to it, meaning we're not buying into it, but we're not pushing away, 
then we're able to observe it from the right perspective. We are the awareness. We're not the thoughts that uh, come with fear, and we're not the emotion of fear. We are the observer who is able to observe ourselves having those emotions and those thoughts. And then what does that give people? That gives you then the ability to choose do, Do I, I want to go or stay? Yeah. Should I stay or should I go yeah. now? <laughs> yes, because at the end of the day, it's not whether you stay or go. It's whether you're making a free choice. That's the key. I find that so interesting because a lot of people will be like, what's the right thing to do? Let me fix the fear. Let me clear the fear. Let me heal the fear. Uh, but it really, we want to not be afraid of it. We don't want to give it power. We want to step outside and say, I'm still going to make this decision, even if I am afraid. Or, you know what, I'm afraid and I'm making this decision, but you know what, I think it's the right decision. I'm not going to do that. So you're not letting fear decide. Your higher divine intellect decides. Mm -hmm. Great. So stay tuned for another episode next week on another emotion. And those of you who are interested in emotional work and want to explore a new science of emotional wisdom. We are doing a certificate program for people who work with other people, uh, people who are coaches, people who want to be coaches and want to learn a system where they can work with their emotions in a more powerful way, being more empowered with them without getting rid of them and not just ego management. So find out more about it by going to our website, creativemindmethod.com or check out our Facebook page where we have all of our events listed, dates and information. See you next time. Take care.